Good morning, my little anklets. Today is Thursday, and it's something like 10 to 9, which is actually quite late for me. I have noticed, I think it's something to do with this cold, more of that in a moment. I think it's because this cold has sort of wiped me out a bit. I'm not going to bed any later than I would normally do, but I seem to be sleeping quite fitfully and having all sorts of terribly amusing dreams. But it is now Thursday, the sun is shining. We have blue sky. We've obviously had some kind of rain, there's plenty of puddles around. Again, more of that in a moment. But it's all, all, it's all good. And it's quite, it's reasonably fresh, but it's not cold, which is great. I have a day at my desk ahead of me. I'm out very briefly this evening with some friends again. Everything comes at once, as you can imagine. So I'm sure it all happens to the same as you. So I'm just off to get my hot chocolates, my rather peculiar routine that I've found myself in. I never used to do this. I used to, if I'm going out to clients' houses, then I will perhaps grab hot chocolate on the way, or maybe some water if it's really hot, something like that. But if I'm at home, I don't tend to go out. I've now started this sort of morning routine it's as if I'm pretending I'm going to work in an office, except that I'm actually going to go home to work in my office. A bit odd, but there it is. And now for yesterday's paraphernalia. If you'd have heard yesterday's, you would know I got very wet. It was raining. It was pretty horrendous out in London yesterday. It rained all day. It didn't stop. So I had a bit of a Wednesday wind, as it's known. So my little anklets, I should be working at my desk all day today. And there's lots to do, lots of paperwork. I want to get on with my other project over in Reading today, if I can. Sort of split between the two. There's a few other little bits and bobs that are coming in that I need to uh, track down and sort out next week. But then there's always little tidbits of projects that you've finished that people just want extra bits and bobs done for you to check on a few things. So that's what I'll be doing next week. But at the moment, it's a paperwork day um, and trying to nail down some of the other stuff for the other job that's, that's going on. A few things have come in overnight on email to do with light fittings and other budgetary concerns that have come in so I need to address those pretty quickly just to make sure that everything is jacked up well and that the builders can go ahead without worrying about who's paying for what etc etc so without further ado I think I'd better get on with it good afternoon my little anklets yes it is the afternoon here on Thursday and I have finished most of my emails. I've got my inbox down to a very vaguely comfortable 53, which is more than it should be, but that's fine because I have a few outstanding items. I have no idea what everybody else's inbox is like. I do have one friend who never deletes anything. That worries me somewhat, but she is rather disorganized. It's turned out to be a very warm, balmy day. It was, as you know, very sort of uh, cold and, well, it had rained overnight, but now the sun is out, the roads are dry, the birds are singing, 
And it's very warm indeed. I have to take my jacket off. Hello, Jesse, and thank you so much for your kind words. I can give you all sorts of answers to your wonderful questions. So, to begin with, yes, I am a born and bred Londoner. I have always lived in London. I'm not averse to living abroad. I love traveling, etc., etc., but this will always be my home. So, I am a born and bred Londoner. That means I was born here and I shall probably die here, to be fair. People are quite amazed when I say that I've actually born here. They think that everybody that was born here has moved away. And whilst that is true, uh, for a variety of different reasons, there's um, quite a few of us still left. Um, but everybody calls themselves Londoners these days. This is, this is half the problem, um, but most of them aren't. Uh, we, I wouldn't say we're a dying breed, but um, the, I suppose the indigenous population move out somewhat into the countryside. But I am a West London girl, so that's, I suppose, slightly different. The different sort of um, areas of London each have their own personalities. This is quite a well-known fact, which is why you get cab drivers who say they won't go south of the river. So South London is can be, for some inexplicable reason, sort of a no-no for some people. North London, that's sort of seen as reasonably quite arty and a little bit pretentious. They, uh, it's full of the elitists, the people that sort of tell you what to do but don't do it themselves. Quite bizarre. Whereas uh, East London is sort of uh, almost the nouveau riche. Those are the people that are a bit too cool for school. Um, they're the ones that sort of wear lots of cardigans, quite a few check shirts, um, and they have beards, beards and glasses, and they work in things like, you know, media, that type of thing. West London is supposed to be the elite, so over here in West London you get royalty. Um, you also get quite a variety of sort of moguls, and this could be anybody. It's, actually, it's got, I think it's to do with the real estate, to do with the property. There's an enormous amount of huge, beautiful property in West London, and the people that have money flock to it. It's quite bizarre, really. So. Um, you'd think that they would just build their own, but they don't. They they quite you know they're quite happy to to buy into the you know the history and the heritage, so they do all sorts of things to it inside, but uh, they want the the grandness. And West London has it, an awful lot of um, greenery, trees, gardens, parks, all that type of thing. The centre of London, where everybody goes into, is obviously the is obviously yeah, that is the melting pot, and that's where everybody is. So people commute in from the outlying suburbs. Um, we have a motorway here called the M25, and it's chock-a-block. It's about four lanes across, which is probably nothing to you guys over there in the US, but it's huge, and it's chock-a-block um, pretty much every morning. They keep wanting to build lanes on it, and everybody's having meltdowns about that, because obviously it's going to cut into uh, countryside. So moving across from London into Pets, which obviously bears no relation whatsoever. Um, I don't have any pets. You obviously heard, or you might have heard, you might have been too late to hear about me and Lulu, the Bedlington Terrier dog, who was, um, I was sort of babysitting for a week, never again. I love dogs, I love cats. I'm very much an animal person, but the responsibility, I just can't do it. I think it would be unfair, I think it would be cruel to keep them in, especially as you are well aware, I'm running around the streets of London most of the time, so. I try and keep um, any sort of pets away from my flat. I grew up with three cats, they were all strays, I'm not quite sure how they were brought in, my father didn't bring them in but my mother who is a cat lover did. So 
We had three cats, Tibby, Fluffy and April May, because we found her in April May 1986. Obviously all of them have now gone. Uh, my mother wanted to dig one of them up when we moved house once. You can imagine the uh, reaction from the removal men. But that was, always, that was all good fun with my mother. She's still the same. I'll get her on here one day and uh, that'll really freak most of you out. So that's on pets. I did have a dog once. We did have a dog once, but it, it actually got killed. Someone backed the car out and it hit it on the head. Quite what it was doing in the drive, it is anybody's guess. Um, it had got out one evening. Shocking, horrible business. But I was very young, so I missed most of it. I think one photograph remains. It's quite sad, actually, when I think about it now. That was Zona. Doberman Pinscher, can you believe it? Quite why my father decided to get a Doberman Pinscher, I've no idea, but he did. And if you really want to know about my brother, that is an epic. Hi Belinda, I've come across your uh, anchor channel through a share on Mike's Mike and uh, I've been really interested to listen to some of the things that you've talked about uh, in the last few hours, particularly about your uh, potential podcast on careers. I think there's real traction in that. I think the, the employment market is changing radically. I don't think the education model fits it these days and I don't think people will be having the same kind of career pathways in years to come as they hitherto have. I think there'll be a lot more self-employment and a lot more organic development of careers and I'd be really interested to know what your thoughts on that are because you know the way the media is changing and technology is changing and the speed of that change it's just going to change the future and I'd be interested to hear what you've got to say. Hi Diane, I'm so glad you found me through the lovely Mike, Mike's Mike, he who wears a hoodie or a parka, I'm not quite sure which, probably all of the time but never mind. Yes, you are absolutely 100% spot on. Diane, I think you have hit the nail on the head. The world has changed so much, I don't know that the careers advice that anybody is getting now is actually even going to apply to them for the time they actually leave school or university or college or whatever they're doing. I really don't think they are. I, I've seen this coming for quite some time and I only really think back to my own sort of careers advice which was nonsensical and all practically non-existent and I think to myself, well, what are the, the youth of today being subjected to you know, in, that, in that line? I totally haven't ruled out the idea of doing a podcast and I thought what I might do is get different people in different professions, give them a whole load of sort of questions, an idea of what I'm going to ask them, I'm not there to sort of catch them out or freak them out on a sort of interview day um, and just ask them sort of how they got into it, what's it like, and, you know, in a, what's their daily life like, what time do they get up, where do they go? Who do they see? Do they, do they work late? Do they take work home? What's expected of them? Um, what is it like? Is it working in an office? Are, you know, if, if they're a gardener, are they outside you know, all the time? Or do they spend part of the year inside, I don't know, growing seedlings? I have no idea, but if you wanted to know about a particular profession, you'd have to go and speak to the person concerned, wouldn't you? And I don't know that there's enough of that going on. Funnily enough, near where I am in London, um, I'm on um, some, basically, some. I'm in a group, effectively, and we help out with careers advice for children that are leaving school. And I'm amazed how many of them, um, of these children, have 
literally no idea and almost no interest of where they're going to go. You find the odd one or two, but they've been steered towards it. It's either sport. I met one guy who was incredibly tall, and he's going to be a basketball player. And I said, you need to have some kind of skills as well. Don't forget about your maths and English. You need to be able to read a contract. You need to be able to work out if an agent um, is you know, taking a percentage of your fee. You, you, know, you need to think about these things. And he hadn't even had a clue. His parents didn't know. Um, you know, no one had told him about anything like this and, and I'm not even a sports personality or I know nothing about it but that to me was just common sense and I thought who's giving this guy you know, who even knows what he's going to do who's giving him advice who's able to give him advice I and mean, it's just you know there there's, must be so much untapped potential out there um, and I just you kind of just want to help as much as you can so I wonder whether a podcast will actually do the job or at least help maybe bridge a gap in some small sort of incremental way. Maybe it will. But I think you are absolutely 100% right in the fact that everyone's going to need to get a grip. Nobody's talking about really, I don't think, entrepreneurship. It's got all sorts of um, connotations with that, I think. When I was growing up, we were called a, I was called a businesswoman. Um, and, and that was fine and that's, all, that's what it was. You did business and you had your own business and that was it. And people need to know the difference between self-employment and entrepreneurship and what that difference is. And conversely, it's okay to just get up, you know, do a nine-to-five job, go home and not worry about it. You don't have to be striving if you don't want to be. I always say this to people, say, oh, well, I'd love to do what you do. And I say, look, you don't have to be an entrepreneur. You don't even have to be a businesswoman or whatever you want to call yourself. You don't have to do any of that. The fact is, you just have to do what's right for you. Entrepreneurship is, or even business owning and self-employment, it's, it's something that anyone can do, but it's not for everyone. It's something anyone can do, but it's not for everyone. And I think that's it, isn't it? And I don't think people in, you know, for, you know, careers people are even going into schools. Maybe they are, and I just don't know. If anybody knows, maybe over in the States it's, it's different, but certainly over here, I don't hear that that's what's going on. I think they sit down and have a chat with you about your grades um, and then what potentially university you can go on to, but I don't necessarily know whether they're told all the different jobs that are open to them. Um, I think maybe it's left to a lot of parents and really what circles they surround themselves with, which can be extremely limiting. There must be something like this. Maybe there's an event. Maybe there's like some kind of careers event. I need to look this one up. But anyway, Diane, it's, we could talk about this, and I'm sure we will talk about this um, quite a lot, but I'm running out of time, so I better say goodbye and I better stop. But thank you for calling in. Really worthwhile. Really worthwhile talking to you. Linda, good morning from Ohio in the United States. This Bacon family is getting ready to venture out and do an errand or two. And I just caught up with your station and I have a question. I would very much like to know, is there a particular supplier that you consistently go to for materials when you are helping people with their homes? And is there a particular supplier who is quite the character because I feel like the more specific you get with someone's occupation, the more likely you are to run into colorful characters. So that is my question. What colorful characters have you met on your journey into interior design so far? Hey, 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 Victoria. Hello over there in Ohio. That sounds very musical, doesn't it? Ohio. 
Yes, indeed. Um, colourful characters, they're all around. I think you're actually quite right. There's, I think it is. The more you get into sort of professions, the more people are quite quirky about them. It's very bizarre, isn't it? It's another, almost like a career thing, really, isn't it? Another moving on from that. I think in my line of work, there are a variety of different people because you meet sort of the builders, it's the craftspeople. So they're working effectively with their hands. They do have to, I suppose, have some kind of a brain to actually sort of work stuff out and figures and everything else. And then you obviously you get the real people that have to use their brain, obviously like your husband Eric, um, other obviously electricians, engineers, carpenters, plumbers, all of that sort of stuff. Without whom we wouldn't have any civilization. So hats off to them. But as far as personalities, yes, um, this varies. They all have a very good tolerance level, I would like to report, and they all have usually a cracking sense of humour, because I actually don't think you could do this job without a good sense of humour. One of my upholsterers, not uh, the, the two that you met the other day on, the, um, on one of the waves, who are quite funny themselves. Well, Sam's quite normal. Simon, who owns the business, is mad. He's been doing it for I don't know how many years. And he does absolutely take no prisoners. But he's quite an artisan and he's sort of no messing around. Um, and I quite like that. Um, but sometimes you need to sort of drill down with some of these people and say, no, what I mean is this. Talk to me about that. And sometimes you have to work around them. If they're sort of feeling in a particular grouchy mood, you sort of play second fiddle. It's very, um, it's very much like the diplomatic corps, I would imagine, really. You do have to have some kind of way about you when you're dealing with them. As far as other upholsterers, yes, there, there have been a few. Barry is one of my oldest upholsterers, and he looks like Father Christmas. This is no word of a lie. He's huge, and he has a large white beard. I swear to God, if he wore, you know, sort of a, a red velvet suit, he would be Father Christmas. All he needs is a reindeer, it's that simple. He's quite a character, but he's also quite straightforward. I think you have to be. I think the more, when I think about it now, the more intricate a job, the more matter of fact that these people have to be. Because you need yes and no answers, and lots of clients don't know. So some of the people that I work with only work for the trade, that's quite common. And some will work both with the trade and will work with the, just the general public, as it were. There are a few that don't want to deal with interior designers, and that I totally understand. We are seen as probably quite exacting. Uh, dragons, witches, I've heard it all. Um, I'm a little bit different. I'm probably a little bit too personable for the, for the average um, interior designer sort of stereotype. But even I have my moments, and I am pretty much straightforward and uh, you kind of have to be because you can't muck around with people you're tying up money with them so you have to be quite straightforward now my curtain supplier you'll meet her one day she's hilarious that's Anita she's been doing curtains for about 45 years um, and she's not exactly like 90 years of age she's been doing it a long time there's nothing that this woman doesn't know about curtains and blinds and everything else and she's Dutch if I remember rightly and she's as mad as I am about different professions. You'll find this with us all. We sort of do strange things um, if you're in this sort of profession. I sort of go into bars and places and start, as I said, looking at lighting. I go into the ladies' room and I'm, I start looking at the uh, tiling and the grouting and saying, oh, we need to sort that out. 
she regularly goes into hotels and starts sorting out the curtains. She goes into hotel rooms and literally gets up on a chair and starts fiddling with the curtains and straightening things out. You can't help yourself. So she's quite a, she's quite a character. She's quite giggly, is an eater. But it does I think it does depend on the profession. I do tend to use the same people each time because you know them and they know you. Um, they can trust you certainly on money and of course you can trust them to do a job. You can say, do you remember when we did that? like this and they said oh yes do you want the same again yes that's what I'm looking for so much easier so much easier I'd like to say though Victoria that electricians I would say are the calmest I think because they spend their time up a ladder and dealing with things that could kill them I think that's why they're calm so again hats off to Eric good evening my little anklets it's evening now in London all is calm and quiet and I'm on my way home. It's a clear night here in London. Icy blue sky, no clouds. Still quite warm, really, which is such a change from yesterday. London was busy out tonight. Lots of people socialising, birthday parties, dinners. Good to see. I have another desk-based day tomorrow or at least for the first half of it. And then I've got to pop into some shops in the afternoon just to uh, check on a few things and their availability.